Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. We all go on journeys in life, right? Like we're all out there kind of experiencing our journey and it's not like a um, Lord of the Rings style journey, but um, most of us are kind of aren't having that kind of adventure, but we're all out there in some way experiencing life differently. And when we look back, you know, we can see it over time. And sometimes we get these opportunities to pause and reflect and look at how, you know, our life maybe didn't go as we thought it would, or it went better, or it went worse, or it went up and it went down. But ultimately, there's these opportunities to reflect. And my guest today is on a journey himself, just like we all are, but his journey is, I think it's exciting, it's new, it's, it's almost like he's, we've taken, he's taken himself out of everything he's ever known and put himself into a world that is completely foreign and different, and he's embracing it. But I think the thing that is most uh, exciting or inspiring about him is just his attitude about it all. My guest today is Dr. Dominic Fraboni. Did I get that right, Dominic? Did yeah, that, right? that was perfect, man. You're crushing it. Awesome. That's a good start. Um, hey, man, how you doing? Welcome to the show. No, man, um, I'm doing awesome. This is my first time doing anything like this. So thanks for kind of being my initiation into doing anything podcast related. Great yeah. to be on. That's a nice way to say that I'm taking your podcast virginity. I appreciate this. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a, you said it much more gently than I thought you were going to go. Uh, so here, let me give you some people some quick things about who you are. You're a doctor of physical therapy. You're a certified mm -hmm. strength and conditioning coach. Um, you're a man who's super committed to developing yourself and putting out into the world the kind of energy that you would want to give back. You're also mm -hmm. on a... I want to say um, a kind of love journey or a love, a, a new yeah. kind of experience. Um, and you just moved from the middle of what you describe as rural Minnesota. Where is technically rural Minnesota? Well, so I had a house in South Minneapolis, but did some travel work. And I was had been working in Marshall, Minnesota and a little bit in Olivia, Minnesota. So kind of Southwest Minnesota. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be impressed if anyone could locate it on a map. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know. I mean, it could have been named rural. I wouldn't know. Um, uh, and, and now you're out in Los Angeles. Yeah. Out here, just moved out, drove across the country about a month ago, did some traveling and I've been back for less than a week. So starting to get situated out here. Guys, what's up? This is Alex Terranova taking a little break for a second from that podcast episode to tell you about my book. I wrote a book. It's crazy, right? But it's for real, for real, for real, like for real, for real, for real. I wrote a book. It's called Fictional Authenticity, Release Your Past, Start Living Your Real Life. So you guys can pick this book up right now on Amazon. Basically, at 32 years old, I woke up. I saw that like everything I was living was a story and it was bullshit. And this book is my journey of realizing that the life I had created was this life that I envisioned as a child. And as a grown-up, it wasn't real. It was imaginary and inauthentic, even though I felt like it was authentic. And I think we all have aspects of this. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book for people who don't normally read personal development, self-help, whatnot, to, to just take you through my journey and what I did to really transform my life. And throughout the book, I give you practices, tools, and tips that you can do so you can do this in your life. It's called Fictional Authenticity. Release your past, start living your real life, and you can get it on Amazon now. Now let's hop back into the episode. 
Let's talk about that really quick before we just touch on, because I think it's, I mean, look, a lot of people do this, right? You're not the only guy who moved across the country. I moved from LA to New York at one point. Um, but what's the thing, what spawned this? How did you, you know, what takes you out of rural Minnesota and brings you to Los Angeles? Um, I'd say that one of the biggest things is I met a woman. Um, I kind of, like you said in my intro, I'd been putting out the energy, doing the self-work and, you know, someone just popped into my life that lined up in so many different areas. Um, and it was really something, you know, that makes you feel something you never felt before. And, you know, through our early relationship, I just said, Hey, I have an opportunity to sign a new contract here in Minnesota, or I could work my way out to LA. And that's kind of what we decided to do. So like you said, on a little bit of a love journey, as well as my own personal journey, career-wise, personal, personal, and just in all that development. So that's very exciting. Um, and it's something I'm really looking forward to growing into. And she's not just like a random woman. She's kind of a big deal. She's kind of a badass. She puts those amazing good vibes out into the world. We don't have to, I mean, I don't, it's not important to me to say who she is. If you don't want to, that's up to you. Um, but, oh, no, absolutely. I mean, Jen's great. And she puts out amazing information, but Again, the thing that I noticed most about her is the work that she did inward first and everything that she sees in in her journey is something that she can use to dive deeper into herself. She hardly ever looks outwardly to, awesome. to blame or to find excuses in what's going on in life. And that was really inspiring to me because I've been doing some of the similar work and it's cool to have somebody who's wanting to grow within themselves alongside me and with me so there, yeah and there's something interesting it's not just to like point to like you know dr jen as as being it's like but she's kind of like got her own little celebrity status right she's not it's not like tom cruise celebrity status but in the social media world in the in the i want to say like coaching personal development physical therapy like she's built a brand and a name for herself and mm -hmm. and i think that what is interesting to me about it is, you know, like you said, you're, you're living in, in rural Minnesota. You meet this woman who is living here in, or living in LA and has built this brand and, and it's like really taking a risk, right. To, to kind of jump into that life yeah. with her. Absolutely. And you know, that's things that you think about all along the way, but in reality, it's, it's what you feel inside and it's going with that gut reaction. And, you know, I always, been able to trust my gut in a lot of instances in life and this one's just been speaking to me louder than most and really what inspires me about what she does is she has created a model as well as other people that I've met out here now that are in her network but has created a model that allows a provider like myself rather than being in a clinic treating one person 10 people a day you know she can put out information and reach thousands and that's really inspiring and how do we teach providers of America to have that kind of mentality. I have the information in me and we have the ability via social media, other medias, you know, avenues of getting out information to affect a lot more and to help people do it independently and not create dependence on this system of healthcare that America kind of likes to do. We like to tell people they can't do it on their own without this, without this medication, without this injection, this image, this whatever it is. And again, in your journey to health, some of those things may be necessary. And I think that people have the opportunity to grow and become independent in their journey. So they don't feel the need to go back for that extra prescription. So they don't feel the need to go back for whatever it may be that is kind of becoming that crutch and excuse in our health that we can overcome through what comes from within. It's like so, dealing with supporting and dealing with people while they're alive and healthy versus what we <laughs> do in America, right? Is like, we don't take care of ourselves till the last few years. And then it's like, we keep you alive, broken forever versus actually giving you a whole healthy life. One of the things that I say, and this is a little bit tongue in cheek, but, um, and, and again, this isn't to sound jaded towards the healthcare system, but sometimes I say we allow people and we almost encourage them to push themselves right up to the edge of death and then we try to reel them in and make sure that we keep them alive as long as we can which is one of the most expensive ways yeah. of doing life and health and doesn't help people live fulfilled independent lives so i just think that 
there's a different way of doing it. I mean, in America, we spend 200%, two times the next country in this world per person on healthcare. And if you look at all of the quality of life studies, we some, sometimes rank low 20s, high 30s compared to some different developed European countries, developed Asian countries, which is you know, very concerning to me that we spend so much money, yet our overall quality of life and life expectancy is not keeping up. Yo, I want to take one second to shout out and acknowledge the sponsor of this podcast. I am truly grateful for them, not just for sponsoring this podcast, but because this program changed my life. If you're looking for a spark, if you're looking for change, if you're looking for transformation, leadership training, or coach training, Accomplishment Coaching is really the world's finest training program. You should check it out at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Now let's hop back into the episode. Do you have any, I mean, you're, we're not going to solve this problem right here on this podcast, but if there was like one thing you could change or one thing, let me ask you, not one thing you could change, but like, what's that one aspect that you're working to change? Um, so I'd say that I do personally, I do a lot of advocacy work for physical therapy. I go out to DC um, usually once a year to try and meet with legislators and everyone gets, you know, turned off when you bring up any sort of politics and rightfully so based on the status of how people in our country communicate with each other within politics. Um, but for me, it's more of a human thing. And the thing that I like to feel that I'm pushing for in that avenue is increasing a provider's ability to treat someone as a whole person. And I think that we're starting to push this this area of healthcare into these real specific specialty areas, which is great because people know a lot about one thing. They know a lot about the shoulder. They know a lot about the kidney. They know a lot about your heart. And if that's all they're trained in and all they know, if you come in, they're going to find something that's not exactly right with your heart or not exactly right with your kidney or your shoulder and sit there and mess around with that for six months when we really aren't getting to a lot of the underlying issues and underlying causes. And I think teaching providers to treat and direct their knowledge and research towards underlying causes rather than finding these quick fixes to mask the symptoms would be one of the overall paradigm shifts that needs to happen. Um, I do think we need specialists, absolutely, because we have a lot of people that can utilize their services. But like I said about you know, what Jen does out here, what I'm hoping to do out here is help people balance their whole systems using a mindset approach and an overall lifestyle behavior change approach to affect long-term health. We just don't have enough focus on long-term health and well-being and what that even means. You know, coming from rural Minnesota, it's just crazy to kind of hear what people's concepts are and what health is and what it means to be a healthy person um, because they've have lived in this area so long that has very few influences other than the few people that they hear from in hospitals or their family or wherever they get their health information from. So I guess that would be one of the paradigm shifts, teaching people to focus on long-term health and the behaviors that help them achieve that rather than quick fixes and short-term gain. What's the thing for you, like personally, where do you struggle the most when it comes to your well-being? Um, I would say that Hang on. I feel like I struggle with and a cut lot of people it. you cut out do that right that now again. also okay so I'd say personally one of the areas that I may struggle with the most is you know we talk about mindset but making sure that the amount of stressors I take in and stressors being everything, good stresses, bad stresses, you know, the things that I can learn from that I might see as a mistake or a failure and I get to learn from and even the good things that I fill myself up with and the amount of recovery I get. So making sure I get enough sleep at night, making sure I take time to breathe and have my mindful sessions and to do a little journaling, listen to some music, you know, balancing that because we all have this sphere of stress, or I'm sure people have heard of the bucket. <laughs> we can only put so much in our bucket till it starts spilling over. And I need to make sure that I balance the things that help me empty some things out of my bucket before I put more in. So, you know, balancing the amount that I do every day, especially with 
all that we're bombarded with, with media and social media and our work and our social life and, you know, everything that is thrown into that mix and physical stressors of working out. So I'd say that's one thing that balancing that can be very difficult. And I'm on my journey in that, that area too. And also food because I love ice cream. <laughs> Me too. It's the worst. Right, right. So banana ice cream is a big winner, but um, we can talk about that later. I'll teach you my <laughs> banana ice cream recipe. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because you, I always like, I would, I've been, I've been vegan before and I've been vegetarian at times. And like, there's not a lot of things that I have issues giving up. Like I'm all right with giving up most of the things that don't fit into those categories, but I can't like, like I can't just give up ice cream and I still, and I'll eat like, you know, cashew ice cream or whatever, but it's just, it's good. And it's like, it's good sometimes, but it's not the same. And, mm -hmm. and the same thing, like pizza for me, it's like pizza, ribs and ice cream are like, oh I just, gosh. I just You're talking dirty. I, those, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I can give those things up. Like I could be vegan like 95% of the time, except when those things show up. Right. When it's sitting in front of you, then you and your vegan need to be in an open relationship at that moment. <laughs> That's actually a really good way. And you know what? It brings up a really interesting point, right? Because we do have this culture in America, right? Where as human beings, we love to label things, right? We love to put things in boxes and, and like to, to be able to, it, it makes us think that they're predictable, right? If we think that this fits in this box, then we know how it will behave or what it will do. And we do that with like even our food, right? You can't say to somebody, I'm vegan. And then if they see you eating ice cream, it's going to be like a thing. It's like, you're not vegan totally. <laughs> versus totally. like, and we put, and it makes it so it's kind of, I noticed with me, it's like, yeah, I would actually love to be vegan like 90% of the time. And I'd probably feel better or whatever. But even my, totally. I'm not worried about people pointing it out for me, but it's ingrained even in my psychology that it's either like I have to be vegan or not be vegan, but I can't be like 90% and then give myself a little bit of that. I like that open, like dietary open relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, I mean, you're getting into a good point of how we label things good or bad. You know, this is good food. This is a bad food. This is a good behavior. This is a bad behavior. And in reality, when we do that, then we're asking ourselves to fall off the wagon and we're asking ourselves to, you know, have quote unquote failure in that moment where if you do have this more open concept and know that, Hey, if there's ice cream in the room, I know I'm going to have to go for it. Great. Have a cup. Don't have a half, don't have a half a gallon, you know, and allow yourself to have that, indulge in that, enjoy that, see how it makes your body feel, see if it makes your body feel negatively the next day. I know when I have ice cream, there's some things that happen in my body that it doesn't like exactly. So then get back into your good eating habit. And that's a-okay. You know, it's, it's when we have these good and bad definitions of different foods, of different behaviors. Oh, I didn't work out. Oh, today oh no you get to the next day well you know I didn't work out yesterday I can I can let this today go as well and then it's been a week and you haven't done your movement practice <laughs> or you know oh I had ice cream yesterday I guess I can have a pizza and ice cream again today you know the, the, that's when it starts to tumble and then it's that much harder to get back into your good habits so I always encourage people everyone's like what diet should I do is it the paleo is it the ketogenic <laughs> is it the whole 30 is it the you know, should I be vegan? I say, yes. What do they all do? What, what are the good things from those that you can take, but more so, how does it make your body feel? And that's when I've formed my diet practice because I know what foods I respond good to. I know what foods I respond poorly to. And I try to eat those the majority of the time. But when I'm in Italy with, you know, Jen, we're going to have some gelato, right? So it's, it's being able to kind of plan those things, not let yourself feel bad about them and, and make that commitment and just say, yeah, we're going to plan to have some gelato and some red wine tonight. And we can feel amazing about that. And then tomorrow we're going to get up and get back at our better diet practices, which in Europe was pretty tough. So we, we definitely <laughs> let ourselves indulge in the pastas and the gelatos there, but we knew that was going to happen. And yeah. then we got back home and made sure to get back into our groove. So I always encourage people, just don't let yourself form those 
things in your head, like you said, where you label it good food, bad food. I'm a vegan. I'm not, you know, if you are and want to commit to that and it makes you feel great, fantastic, you know, go for it. I don't think I could give up my short ribs. Like you said, (laughs) what you, you were just touching on something. Um, the, this, hang on a second. Cause I'm like, I had it and then I lost it, but it's like yeah. this idea of, um, sorry, hang on. I'm going to edit out this blankness. I lost it. All right. We'll just pick up. Um, oh, I got it back. Okay. So you touched on something a second ago. Whereas like we do this thing where like, if you fall off, you're like, well, I didn't go the last three days to the gym, so I just won't go again. Or I ate bad two days in a row. So I just like, we'll eat bad again. Like what's one more day or whatever. And we, some of us do that. Right. And some of us are actually really good about like getting right back on the horse and going back to, to whatever our commitments were for Mm -hmm. the people that do you do find that have more challenges with that, right? Like, so they will say like, they're healthy, they work out, they're really, you know, they're really focused on it. And then life happens. So they end up at a, you know, at a birthday party, and then a wedding, and then a, a, somebody brings a cake to the office. And all of a sudden, they realize, oh, my God, for three days, I've had a bunch of stuff that I don't normally eat. And I don't want I don't want to do this. But now they're like, struggling to break the habit. Or the, the other way is, you know, the person who's been maybe, maybe they go to the gym every morning, um, but they had to work late a couple nights, so they skipped it a few days, and now they're just struggling to pull that, that kind of energy or motivation back to get them back in there and start again. Do you have any, like, techniques or, you know, things that you use or that you share with other people that help people break that kind of the negative cycle and get them back to where they want to be? Yeah, and I think that... When it comes to this, a lot of it will depend on the person and what they respond best to and what fits into their specific life and journey, because we all have a little bit of a different ebb and flow in life and preference of how we fit things in. But say you go to the person who normally works out every day, they have, quote unquote, fallen off the wagon for five days. How do I get back into it when I'm still so busy? Yeah, work is still going crazy. I always say there's always time to do the bare minimum. What is the bare minimum you could do to feel good about your movement that day? And for me, sometimes I will get up and I will do my two-minute interval workout where I do 20 burpees, take a 10-second rest, 20 burpees, take a 10-second rest, and then I hop in the shower. And I can do that in like three or four minutes. I feel like I moved that day. And then I go about my day and if I don't do anything else, hey, at least I did those burpees this morning. (laughs) Um, Or so, so that's one thing. Find your bare minimum that would allow you to feel successful, even if it's getting up and doing 10 squats by your bed, you know, that's a great way to enter back into, hey, I did some movement the next day, do your 10 squats, guarantee you might feel willing to do 20 that day. So take those mini steps to achieve the full goal without doing nothing. Um, Another thing that I like to tell people is have some sort of mindful practice, whether it's when you're driving to work, you know, mindfulness is this huge buzzword that a lot of people like to throw around, but really putting it into practice can be a lot more difficult than we give (laughs) credit because with everything that goes on, our brain starts going and it's tough to slow that down. And I love to pair breath work with a mindful practice. And then it almost tilts into this more meditative practice for me. And I love to do what I call my one minute reset, where I take six breaths that are about 10 seconds long each. You have a two to three second inhale through the nose. Try not to breathe into the chest, breathe into the belly. Long, long exhale. Try to last at least seven to eight seconds. And during those um, six breaths, Try to think about that one thing you might be struggling with. Try to think about that one thing that you want to insert back into your life. How you've been eating makes you feel, you know, okay, I had that birthday party, I had that wedding, people keep bringing in sweets, what can I do? You know, take that time with yourself to explore that a little bit. Um, So that's what I do. I try to do my breath practice every morning. And during those sessions, I try to 
during one session, I try to send out good vibes, think about something that brings me joy. It's usually my immediate family, friends in life, something that's going on in my life that I'm really excited about. And then during one session, I try to think about something that I would love to figure out a better way to balance in my life, how I, how I can do that more optimally. So a one minute breath practice, 10, 20 body weight squats by your bed. Those are things that I feel like most people could insert back into their life and make them feel like they had a success back on that way to get quote back on the wagon so sorry for extended answer but those are a couple little practices that people right now could take home and do yeah it's great you because it's really like hits home with like winnable games totally you know, like sometimes people sometimes people think like i can't do you know when we get really down on ourselves, i can't do anything i'm not you know like they really start beating themselves up for like the what the things that have gone wrong the things they haven't been able to do and sometimes it's like you just have to create i heard this practice once i don't remember who created it but it was like a therapist or a coach and they said to this client who was really beating themselves up about like they can't do anything and they were like okay can you get up for me right now stand up and they stood up and they said walk over there and touch the doorknob and walk back <laughs> they went you did something congratulations and then it was like well that's it was like hey can you do one push-up but it was this actually creating a game that we know we can win which is kind of what i hear you can get out of bed and do five push-ups or five squats or or 20 or whatever depending on who you are you can also say i'm gonna go i'm gonna walk i'm gonna get off the subway you know if i live in a city that uses subways i stop early and walk the rest of the way mm -hmm. there's these things that we know we can do whereas maybe the cake getting into a crossfit workout you just don't have it like it's mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to win that game today so what game can you win? And maybe you work up to a game that you can win. I also love the breathing. I do that. I don't do it exactly like you do it, but I'll do when I'm feeling like anxious or overwhelmed and I catch myself, I'll lie down on the floor, my office, my house, wherever I am, typically not in the street or like in the Starbucks, don't want to get in trouble, but um, <laughs> lie down on the floor and I'll put like my left hand on my heart, my right hand on my belly so I can like feel where the oxygen's going in. And I'll do that same thing. Just take those like really deep breaths, let it out. And what I notice is, look, my pro nothing changes, right? Stand back up. Everything's exactly the way it was. But I feel differently and I relate to the things differently when I get back up. Absolutely. And no, I love a few of the things you said right there, the easy wins, finding those things in your life that can help you insert those behaviors without really adding the time. And with the breath, like you said, nothing changed. Yeah, nothing changed around us. Our environment different didn't change, but so many things inside of us, so many things physiologically change if you take that minute. You calm down the amount of work your brain is doing. You cut away a lot of the things that are happening in your, you know, without getting too sciencey, the, the part of your brain that thinks a lot. You bring it more to the core of the brain that is focused on the good chemical release making sure that we're not releasing too many stress hormones into the, into the blood, into the body. You lower your heart rate, you help with your blood pressure, you know, all these things that are so incredible that then if you do it right and do it consistently can have a lasting effect through the day. <laughs> That's why I love doing it in the morning. And like you said, when things get crazy at work or when I was in rural Minnesota working with all these, you know, people that I would take on so much energy and I would feel, you know, really kind of like I was in a whirlwind uh, that's when I would do my little one minute reset and I'd walk out of that minute of breath being like you know this day's amazing <laughs> and then you just move on forward into the next into the next patient or client or interaction so you can give them your best you and you don't feel off you um you touched on something and then you skipped over it and I think it could be really cool to hear your side of it and I, I want to make sure you're I don't know where you're going to go with it, but you were going to touch on the science of why it actually makes a difference. And um, yeah. my experience with that, this is all about lizard brain and, and kind of shutting that down. And I've done podcasts on this before, but I'd love to hear, you know, you are trained, you're, you're trained in your doc, you have a doctorate in physical therapy. So I know that there's <laughs> some medical classes that you would have had to take and whatnot. What's your experience and with that? Like, what does the breathing actually do to us? scientifically and physically so there's a 
ton of different breath techniques and there's a ton of different things, you know, physiologically and scientifically that it can do. I think one of the main things I like to focus on with people is we have this thing called the autonomic nervous system, right? And autonomic meaning outside of our control. And that's kind of what for a long time in schools was taught, hey, we don't really control what the autonomic nervous system does. It just kind of responds based on our environment. And in reality, our breath work is one of our best ways to harness that and have some control over what that does. And then depending on how intense the breath work gets, there's a lot of things that we can do within in that um, autonomic nervous system. I would encourage people if they want a lot more information to look up the polyvagal theory. I don't know if you've heard about that at all. No, um, can, can you give us the like one minute version of it? Well, so it's basically, the understanding that there's two sides to this autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. Sympathetic is our fight or our flight. That's when something happens that brings us stress, our, e our shoulders shoot up to our ears, we're ready to either, you know, fight, flee, or faint. <laughs> and that's kind of when our system starts to flood our body with more of these stress hormones, our muscles get more tense, we're sending out a lot more you know, signals to the body that there's danger. And that happens during the inhalation phase. When we have exhales and long exhales, that's more of the, quote, rest and digest phase of um, our breath work. And that helps us send the signals that, hey, things are okay. We can relax in this setting. We can bring our shoulders down away from our ears. So that's where, like you said, getting on the floor, I love to say, get down on the floor. I love how you put a hand on your belly. I encourage people to include their low rib cage and hand on the chest. Make sure you're expanding through your low rib cage with a slightly shorter inhale and a long exhale because that's what's going to help you send the messages to your heart through what's called our vagus nerve to say, it's okay. We can beat a little slower. We can beat a little less hard. You know, it's going to help us bring our heart rate maybe a bit slower our blood pressure we're going to help open those vessels up to bring blood to the body um if you've looked into any sort of breath techniques such as the wim hof technique have you heard of wim hof yeah i know i i've heard him on a uh, a handful of podcasts but please explain yeah. it for you know for the li like listeners who don't know who he is absolutely so so he's a real incredible man who's been exploring this type of breath work along with cold training. His isn't exactly this, you know, long exhales. He just gets people over breathing really quickly. So you take a really quick inhale as, you know, full of breath as you can, and then <sighs> exhale, full inhale, exhale. If people were interested in that, I would encourage them to look at the Wim Hof method.com. And on there, he has a bunch of studies he's been doing on himself as far as what you're able to do for your immune system. You're able to help, you know, almost suppress sickness by controlling what your T cell activity is. And again, I don't, without getting too, too sciencey, our, our T cells are our natural killer cells in our immune system. So they're the things that can adapt to new threats in the body, grab them and make sure that they don't prevent or they prevent like the fever and the sickness that they might otherwise bring on and so he's been shown to upregulate his t-cell activity he can prevent his body from you know going numb when he sits in cold water for hours um he upregulates his red blood cell production just all these amazing things that he just does through breath work through cold training and through consciousness and mindfulness and meditation while he does it and so the power of what breath can do for us as far as, you know, our physiology is pretty incredible. And I would encourage people to go there if they're looking for something they can do on their own. Um, and the balance that you can find when you come out of a good breath session is pretty incredible. So hopefully that, that gives you a little bit more of a dive into how I understand it. Yeah. It, um, it also just reminds me of how simple sometimes the solutions we need are, right? Like Absolutely. you're talking about breath work as access to so many different things. And then I'm thinking about how often when I'm my most tired, I just actually need water. Like I'm like dehydrated. I've been like working, I've been drinking coffee. I haven't been consuming a lot. And, and if my body doesn't have water, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have an impact. It's what, 75 
percent water or something. Eighty percent. I don't. I don't know the percentage, but it's a lot. It's mostly water. Um, Depending on what scientist you talk to. <laughs> right, but it's mostly water. Totally, totally. Um, and I think about the same thing with like so breath work, movement too, right? If we, if we, if anybody's, you know, you've seen like a Tony Robbins event or anything, it's like he's all about the movement. Get you up, move, get the blood moving around your body, and it changes your energy and shifts your being. And then there's like sleep, right? Sometimes we just like need to, to really hone in and get good sleep and not just any sleep. But we're all about, we've become like a world and a culture and, and human beings that are obsessed with these like, these hacks, you know, like, oh, I'm going to drink this drink or I'm going to do this special thing or I'm going to do, and actually you, you said this when we were talking before, like all the things we need, we actually have access to and we already have them, your breath, your sleep water, air, movement. And we like forget that it's just right there. Yeah, I, I say the oxygen around us is the one drug that we always have control over. And it's the one thing that can make us feel different based on how we utilize it. So do yourself a favor and utilize it well. And like you said, the sleep, I just got a book that I haven't read yet, but called Why We Sleep. And people have told me there's so many amazing things in there about how important sleep is for our bodies and for our recovery. I get really nervous for our generation because we work way too much and we sleep way too little. And that's not going to be good for how our brains are late in life because mm. our brain recovers and gets rid of all the metabolites and gunk that we form during the day while we sleep. So if we don't rest enough, we're not clearing all that out. Um, and that builds up over time like anything else does. So I get nervous for brain health for a generation of people who, you know, have been taught that we constantly need to go, go, go. We constantly need to do more, 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 more work, more money, more everything. And even while I was saying that, I'm not breathing and I'm not <laughs> taking time for myself to calm down, find that space. Um, like you said, if we had air, water, our own mindfulness and consciousness and the ability to move, we, you can survive for months <laughs> on nothing else. So, yeah. What, um, let me ask you, like, where are you going? You just got to LA. You're in this new relationship. Um, you're building a new network and a new business. What's the, what are the big goals on the horizon? Those things that scare um, me a little bit. Things that scare me a little bit. So I am starting. Yeah, so I am starting a job in a clinic because I'm gonna, you know, be able to have with that a paycheck that comes in, some great mentors that are gonna be able to teach me in more of a traditional physical therapy sense, and a business that also just has a great purpose and meaning and mission in what they do, uh, and that's Evolution PT and Fly Vista and. On the side of that, I really hope to start picking up independent clients out here that I can work with in the area of mindset, movement, and meals, and teaching people how they can use their mindset and some of these practices we've been talking about to form good movement and meal practices and concepts that really work in their life and help them feel fulfilled and will help affect long-term health. And so that's, I'd say, a more immediate goal. I've been talking with some people about starting to work with me um and really they just want to yeah get that business put together and and off running and long-term goals you know like you said with this new relationship that i'm in we've been talking about doing things together and what that may be you know we just need to keep growing together putting energy out and i think that some really cool things could come from that so um again I guess that's the long-term goal that I don't want to dive in too much to. Um, but being able to fig find a way to bring information like this to the masses and have an impact on greater numbers of people by going back to my purpose, helping the individual find independence in their journey and not feeling like they're dependent on anything else for their health, for their wellness, for their happiness and strength. And you know, through Jen and I working together, I think that there'd be a way we could come up with something pretty amazing. I mean, you guys might start a whole movement of like, you know, doing um, 
stretching moves and car in the airplane seats and stuff, you know? Like a whole, <laughs> whole thing. Um, that was a pretty funny picture. <laughs> if, yeah, if people don't know what I'm talking about, uh, they can, well, we'll give them your, uh, your social media and they can, they can see and, and we'll, and from yours, they can see all the crazy things Jen does. Um, kind of going off that, one of the funny things is, you know, Jen always says, be that weird person who gets up on the plane and does some stretches in the aisles. And first time I heard her say that, I'm like, I totally do that. So when we were flying together, we're like walking around the plane together. She had a step challenge going on. So we're trying to like walk around the plane to get steps and do stretches. And I'm like, how long do you think we could do this before we get yelled at? <laughs> but that was pretty funny. It's true, right? Like, but I mean, it's like, I mean, I know I actually had, I actually knew someone who passed away once from a blood clot. Um, oh, wow. From, and they were young. Like it was, this was, I was in college and uh, um, they, you know, who knows why, right? We don't know always why, but they, they were on like a really long flight. And I think it was like a day later, they, they got a blood clot. And um, ever since then, I always, I like stretching my seat. I'm like moving my feet around, like, you know, and the likelihood is very slim, but it's just, we're not meant to sit in seats and chairs mm -mm. for hours and hours and hours, especially at like high altitudes. Um, let me, I want to, what's the, I want to go back to what you just talked about your goals. What's the biggest obstacle that you think you need to overcome? Like your biggest personal obstacle. Um, being somebody who likes to, you know, look inward, I'd say it's myself. And I'd say it's coming out to LA, seeing all the amazing things that everyone's doing, the amazing things Jen does, um, and not convincing myself that's where I need to be right now. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, I have a great foundation. I need to start building off of it. And I need to do it one small goal at a time to achieve the grander goal. And so being around a network of people now that are all doing incredible things in their field and have been doing it for, for a while, I need to realize and continue to tell myself that I have time to build whatever I want to build and it is going to happen at my own pace. So, you know, continuing to speak that confidence into myself that, yeah, I don't need to build this overnight. It wouldn't happen that way. It wouldn't be the product that I would want it to be. Um, and I need to create those small goals. Okay, what can I achieve today? What can I achieve this week? What can I achieve over the next month in order to achieve my year goal and achieve, achieve my five-year goal? So that's something that I have been trying to dive into is what are my daily goals? What are my monthly goals? And I'd really like to, now that I'm here in LA, sit down and draw that out up to one year, five years and beyond. So, um, yeah, one of my biggest obstacles is making sure that I don't let myself get caught in the whirlwind of feeling like I'm not doing enough because mm -hmm. that's where my system starts to get a little bit over full and, you know, focusing on what's important while I also grow the thing I'm passionate about. And it's such a, um, it's such a myth. I literally said to my girlfriend last night, we were on the phone and I, I made a comment about how like yesterday I spent the day feeling like a failure. And she was like, why, what happened? Nothing happened. Yeah. But it was like, I, this, uh, this month has been so successful in so many ways that a few days went by without any like big successes, mm -hmm. right? And then my mind did this, the wacky thing where it was like, it's really hard on me. And it did that thing where it's like, well, you'll probably never have those again. That was probably <laughs> it. That's probably, <laughs> probably all down here from here all those successes those will probably like not work out anyway and just all bad right like all the bad news well i what you're saying right now reminds me of something i heard recently about people who win gold medals and then go into like this huge depression they're like i did it i achieved the pinnacle i, I did my childhood you know dream mm -hmm. what now and they just fall off of this thing because they finally achieve what they've been working forever for um, and that's again putting into perspective that there's always more you can do and you can create that achievement in your mind and you can make that goal just as big as winning a gold medal <laughs> yeah you may not never you may not ever have the same exact month you just had but you also probably will never have 
the month that is about to happen. So now go out and create it. Well, so, well I mean, there's always, yeah, there's always a way to create a killer month that you're never going to have again. So, and just for fun, because I think it's really important for people to hear, because I think people don't always know that we're like, people don't always get that we're all doing this. So the voice in my head, as you were saying all that, said to me, yeah, but you didn't win any gold medals, dude. Come on, your wins weren't that great. <laughs> and I, I know that with me, like, I like to share stuff like this because I have a lot of clients who think that these limiting beliefs that are in their heads, like, it's only them, right? Like, it's not, like, just because yeah. you do a lot of work on yourself, I do a lot of work on myself. These things don't go away, right? That, that voice was put there by, I believe that voice was put there by nature to keep us alive, to go, hey, like, look out when you walk through this forest, there might be a tiger. Well, now there isn't a tiger, so that voice has to have a job. And it's essentially trying to keep us safe, but it does it like a neurotic jerk. At least mine does. Um, no, totally. And I think that we all have those voices inside um, that speak to us. And whether, I mean, it's how, so I read a book recently called um, The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And it was really cool because he talked about where we create a lot of these beliefs and he does it all the way from the cellular level up to the human level and through all the experiences of life why we think certain ways why we have these certain beliefs and then how we hone in and crush some of them and again negative thoughts failures things like this that come up aren't bad things like you just said you thought you think think they're put in your you believe they put they're put in your path by nature to say hey look out for this be mindful of this that's an amazing way to look at it um, I have so many, yeah, that's why I like to share about some of the things that might be my challenges in life, might be my anxieties in life. And I, I don't mind being open about that because I'm a realist and I want people to know that, yeah, I'm not just this person who has always has this amazing attitude, who always has these amazing thoughts in my head. I just have the opportunity to take some of these thoughts that come up and learn from them, try to be mindful within them and then respond. I would say there's usually a stimulus from the environment, our initial gut reaction based on our life's programming, and then the response. And that's, that's how it happens a lot of the times. But I like to, between there, you know, so we have the stimulus, our initial gut reaction, then the opportunity to reflect, be mindful for one second, then respond. It's a small change and reframe. And if you can manage to take that one five seconds before you respond throughout your day man that'd be amazing because sometimes I really struggle with that too and to do that throughout the entire day is really tough but we have the opportunity to do that anytime we react to a stimulus or anything that the environment throws our way well you just hit on and it's probably a perfect place for us to, to wrap up on Viktor Frankl Are you familiar with Viktor Frankl man search oh yeah Right? Like Absolutely. I, I went to his house in Vienna, Austria during a semester abroad for abnormal psych. It was one of my, and that's what really threw me into psychology and how I find that as one of the more, more important things, working with people's minds and hearts before we look at the rest of the body. Yeah. Love that. So sorry, but thanks for no, bringing no. him Yeah, no, he's, I mean, it really, I, I, he hasn't come up on the podcast in a while and he used to a lot just because I mean, he's, I feel like he's the creator or the leading thought mind behind that, that like all our power as a human being, it's like things are going to happen. And then there's a moment. And, and in that moment, you get to choose. And that's where like what separates us from animals. Animals are all reactionary and responsive. And as a human, we become reactionary because we have an embrace that we do have that moment. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if, you know, if I love it. That's, that's a pretty cool place to, for us to kind of wrap up. Um, is there any, any parting words, anything you, you know, want to share, leave the audience with before, um, you know, this is your first time. I don't, you know, I don't want to go too hard on you on your first man, podcast. I haven't, haven't really prepared anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd say always look uh, within. No, you have the power there. Let's do Take this that again. I lost you. We cut out. Let's do it. Try it again. I'm going to clap so I can see the audio thing, but like, give it a second. Go ahead. All right. Um, you know, I didn't really prepare 
or anything, uh, but my parting words would be always look within and know that what you're searching for first can be found there. And that I think more than anything is gonna help you on your journey and help you call in the things from this world that you want in your life. So the journey starts within, use your breath and the things you have under your control to maximize that. Awesome. Um, if people want to see you do weird stretching poses on airplanes or, you know, learn <laughs> movement techniques from you or track you down or stalk you or whatever they might want to do. Um, how do they do that? Where are you? Uh, social media, whatnot, websites? I mean, right now I'm primarily on Instagram. I have started to try to do more and put out more information so I can help bring tools like this. So I'm trying to find my niche there, but I'm Dr. Dom DPT. So that's Dr. Dom DPT on Instagram. I do have a Twitter with the same handle, but that's more, you know, for professional organization stuff. So I don't put a ton out on there regularly. So yeah, if you wanted to hit me up on Instagram, had any questions, wanted to do a session or, you know, chat about if I thought I could bring you some more tools, then reach out to me. Nice. Hey, thanks for, um, thanks for doing this. My, uh, you know, I love that you just, you know, outed yourself right in the beginning that it was your first time. Um, <laughs> and I think that's so cool. Like, I love the idea that, um, this experience was your first experience into something because like I have no it, I have no doubts that the trajectory you're on that what you're committed to that you know at some point you're going to be doing massively big things and to be like hey he was he was on the Dream Mason podcast first is pretty <laughs> badass um it's also just great to like have people do things they've never done before I think that so often we we fall into our traps of like our comfort zone and doing what we know we're good at and that we don't yeah. venture out and try new things. So thanks for being vulnerable, um, being brave, showing up here, sharing a part of your life. Um, and thanks for taking a chance on love and on a career and on a woman and, and going for something and like just kind of taking that leap and seeing what happens. Thanks for sharing it all with us. No doubt. Thanks for what you do. I love, I li I've listened to a few since I got asked to be on this. I love the energy you put out and the people you have on and being my first I also love what you said about making yourself a little uncomfortable I try to do that every day because that's where we find growth so that'll be my last little thing and really appreciate you Alex thanks man I appreciate it thank you thanks for listening honestly I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support if you got anything from this please help me out and share this podcast with one person today you can find me at thedreammason.com, or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.